Coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. A conversation about the great and sometimes not so great outdoors. I'm your host, Lynn Melling. And I'm Jody Gruen. And we do this for fun. Hey, it's Lynn. And it's Jody, And we are here at our favorite spot, the Trailhead at Theodore Worth Park. I think people are probably sick of seeing us here by now because <laughs> we're always toting in all of our equipment and taking up a whole table. And um, I think people are probably wondering what in the world are these two ladies doing? But we love it here so much. Yep. And we are here on this beautiful day, again, full of gratitude, just like the last time for the beautiful weather and the beautiful people that surround us. A lot of children here, a lot of noise that you may hear. Um, but what you really want to hear, yes, is who is sitting. You want to hear from the person who is sitting She's right next to amazing. us. Yes. Um, today our guest is Princess Haley. Are you ready? Princess is a ray of light, shining wisdom, building bridges, and doing a lot of incredible things outdoors. She's the co-founder of Appetite for Change, a beloved nonprofit in North Minneapolis, a community leader, a mom, a grandmother, change maker, and so much more. Princess, welcome to do this. We do this for fun. Thank you for having me. And hello, all of the listeners. I'm honored to hear you speak about me as a woman. Like, I really appreciate that. And I'm honored to share whatever wisdom I have. Well, we are so honored to have you here. And yeah, we know. So the outdoors is clearly special to you. You've created a nonprofit where you do a lot of the work outdoors. Um, before we dive in, though, to the nitty gritty, we want to talk about what this is called, what we do We do this for fun. Neither one mm-hmm. of us can say the name of this podcast. Not today we can't. Maybe we're nervous <laughs> being around Princess. I know. <laughs> in the presence of greatness. Um, but we, so it's called We Do This For Fun. So what do you do when you're outdoors for fun or that you just love about the outdoors? One thing I do for fun in the outdoors is just participate and try to absorb everything around me first. So like understanding what I see, looking at the colors. I've paid attention to so many trees that I've noticed that trees here and there are having like a little bitty brown spot of leaves as they're growing in. And I'm like, I have to research. I have to find out what's happening. (laughs) So first just looking and then Connecting with the earth. I love to be barefoot outside. Mm, me too. I love to be barefoot. I feel so grounded when I'm barefoot. I love splashing in puddles. People might say, you don't want to get your shoes wet. I, I did buy rain boots eventually <laughs> because I ruined a few pair of shoes. But I'm almost like a child yeah, when I'm Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, so you take the approach of just wide-eyed wonderment, which is amazing that you've been able to hold on to that your whole life as an adult now definitely I'm I think sometimes grown-ups are um, we're protective of our children and we don't want them to hurt themselves and we don't want them to you know damage their shoes or or any of that and so there's this apprehension and now that I'm old enough to take myself outside like I can dance in the rain Mm -hmm. I can splash in the puddle I can just sit and look at the trees I love to lay on my back in the grass and paint the clouds with my feet and my arms so, like, if you just I lay on your back. I love that so you, much. If there's a big bunch of clouds, like, you can just imagine that you're, like, moving them with your hands and your feet, but your body's engaged. Instead of just seeing, like, what does that cloud look like? Like, yeah. how can I impact that cloud? Oh, my God. 
oh, that just blew my mind. Totally. That's <laughs> mindfulness and some serious yes. practice. Yeah. I would do that with my daughter when she was younger. And she remembers those moments. So really, when I get outdoors, outside of the gardening and the foraging and the other things that I do, I have the mind and the heart and the spirit of a six-year-old that's old enough to lock her own door. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So that sounds like that's transformational for you. That is. Just really getting out there, having the experience, just noticing, not even doing. Exactly. Because so much of what we do, I, I go to work. I, I am a mom. I cook the dinner. I buy the toilet paper. I lock the door. I get the oil changes and, and, and blah, blah, blah. But when I'm outdoors, I get to just be. I get to be my human being and I don't have to be my human doing. So usually when I get outdoors, I'm, I'm not trying to do anything. I have a blanket in my trunk. I have a jump rope. I have um, a, a little megaphone. It's just like a plastic megaphone that you yell through. I have bubbles. I have a hammock that I can hang from a tree. <laughs> I want to hang out with you. <laughs> I do too. This what is, is this megaphone for? Just if you want to look through it and make it seem like you can see further, or if you want to take a walk and you separate, you want to oh. yell through it, or if you just want to yell and have your voice amplified in a space. Um, so this is like, a, we talk about winter survival gear to have yeah. in, your, the, in the trunk of your car at all times, and you have like an outdoor joy kit joy kit in the back of your car oh, at all dude. times you That's could sell amazing. these and brand them <laughs> okay Actually, yes you're gonna do that for me jody <laughs> oh, yeah yeah i'm always like i'm like oh we, what could we market here from right. this podcast yes our guests like have really great ideas <laughs> definitely the joy kit and i was actually it was encouraged by um, michelle obama hmm and so being from Chicago, from the South Side, and having feeling like there was a connection between me and the First Lady, when she was the First Lady, um, I heard someone say, like, in between meetings, she'll stop and jump rope. Hmm. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so I need a rope. I need my hula hoop. <laughs> um, I do have my hula hoops in the trunk, too. And so I'm like, I need these things in the car just in case in between meetings, if I'm really stressed, I know that I can do something physically with my body to trick my mind and yeah. stop my mind from thinking about my doings. I can just activate my being. It's like a superpower. And that's why I was so excited to come on the podcast when Jody and I talk. We do this for fun, like activate your superpower for fun. Mm -hmm. But it's harder to do when you're in the house because then you have limited possibilities. When you're outside, you can come up with some of the coolest creative stuff to do. I remember splashing in puddles and finding worms with my, with my sons. And then my daughter grew up to find worms attractive and so we had like worms living in our house and, <laughs> and not living in our house and she ended up writing an article for the Minnesota Women's Press about her experience with those worms wow. and so and that just happened from us just going outside it doesn't cost you anything right um if you're in your backyard or on a corner block um, it's just you can just go out and do those things that that have no rules really as long as you're safe and you're not, you know, harming yourself, but you just get to be. Yeah. So is that how you got into, so you're you like foraging, you like gardening. Is that how you, is that what, what drew you to those activities? Just being outside and observing and looking and watching? Actually, I was born a teacher. 
So I've always had a love for the little ones. Even when the aunties and uncles would ask me to babysit, they wouldn't have to pay me. And I would miss the parties as long as I could hang out with my little cousins. And we would hop Miss Little Bit's fence in Chicago and play in her garden hmm. because it was a safe place to be. Um, and so when I became a parent of my own, my children were going to school and teachers were saying that maybe they were a little too hyperactive. And I'm like, I don't have any problems, but we spend a lot of our time outside. Mm -hmm. So we're outside and it's not more so as getting that energy out, but having a space where you can, where you can use that energy, where that energy is good right here. You know, we're always saying, don't run in the halls. It's like, well, where can we run? You can run in the park, you can run in the field. So actually just being outside as a necessity for my, my younger cousins as I babysat, and then understanding that my children needed that. And then I grew, um, I start studying early childhood education. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing the right things. Like nature's a thing. Like th- we're supposed to be out here. Mm-hmm. Um, these trees are talking to me. <laughs> I think they are. And these birds. Um, so just really observing nature and, no- and understanding that everything is supposed to be there. Hmm. So my children, we don't fight away the bees. We just try to stay calm. We don't step on the spiders or the ants like they all have a purpose, too, and are all parts of this big old earth. So, like, respect them and allow them to be as well. They have jobs to do, pollinating. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what led me to wanting to be interested in growing. So just having the comfort to go outside and understanding that, that, like, the the earth is my turf. Like, I'm supposed to be outside. Mm -hmm. And then the growing started. (laughs) In so many different ways. Yes. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. It's amazing how you talk about children and that there is like only appropriate spaces for kids to really express themselves. And that nature, though, is the space. It seems to be the place and the space that is always 100% accessible to kids to be able to be kids. And it sounds like for you, nature is that space for you to be who exactly you are. Right. Yeah. Like it defines you. It does. I often refer to myself as Mother Nature um, because I've gotten home and I've had bees nesting in my hair wrap. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Mr. B, like they're afraid of you. You got to go. So I'm going to open the door and you're going to fly out, right? Because other bees are waiting on you. And they fly out and they're like, did you just talk to the bee? Did you just get the bee to leave? And I'm like, yeah. Like Cinderella. It's kind of like Cinderella. Um, But how in tune are we all if that's what you're paying attention to and focusing on? Um, I don't think I have any skills and talents more than anyone else. I have had ants like on my shoulder like how'd you get up there did you drop from a tree or did you crawl past my tennis shoe like why would you be up here so the 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 animals um the squirrels um the birds they'll whistle a certain way or chirp a certain way and I'll do it back and so Mm -hmm. I'm like talking to the birds I meditate with the storms at night Mm -hmm. um I love to carry in groceries and get caught in the rain Mm. And have on like a wet pair of jeans and a wet sweatshirt. Like that just means whatever was coming from the sky, the rain or the tears of who, you know, mm-hmm. people have said different things about precipitation, but it's on me. Like it's soaking into my skin. Like that just charges me. It's, it's really weird. Um, there's a program, a project called Our Space is Spoken For, 
And they recently harvested my journey of coming to Minnesota and the work that I've done and the catering of my being and the healing of my trauma. And when they presented it, it was called Mother Earth. Mm. And I'm like, wow, who's this story about? Uh (laughs) And it was about me and it was beautiful. And it really, it really let me know that the things that I'm doing said to somebody else Mother Earth. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Just I just you know to share your story. You you have achieved so much in the last few years. Can you just now that you know, let yourself shine yeah. a little bit. Talk about let's appetite about for change and, and all yeah. these things that you're you're working on. Well, just to to give my my elevator speech. I came from uh, Chicago when I was twenty seven years ago. Actually, I caught a train here and. I was really following the the path that my ancestors took north for opportunities. Um, and when I showed up in Minnesota, I met people who wanted to build community. Mm. I was welcomed by the Hmong farmers on Olson Highway. They taught me how to grow food, mm. and they didn't oh. speak English, and I didn't speak Hmong, but I'm the best weeder with a butcher knife. <laughs> <laughs> and and I can deter your, your peskiest bugs in the garden with a little cayenne pepper spray. Mm. Um, and so these women taught me how to grow. Yep. <laughs> um, and so I learned how to grow with these women. And we were in the land, though. We were outside. And we didn't see ourselves as different. Like, we connected. And so people in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul wanted to build community. I started to work at the Minneapolis Urban League because I was volunteering in my son's classroom because they said he had ADHD. And I'm like, I don't have any problems out of them because we get outside. So maybe you need to get outside more. So I'll come and I'll come help the kids outside. I'll be the playground mom. I worked at the Urban League in the areas of early childhood. I did some employment counseling. I worked within the field of HIV prevention. I went to work at the Network for Better Futures, working with men coming out of um, prison. And I also found that they needed a way to connect back with the community that they were afraid to be outside. How are people going to look at them or how are they going to be perceived? And so there was this need in every area that I was able to work with a person. I was able to see that they were holding their self from coming outside. Hmm. Um, in 2010, I was graduating at Metro State, getting my t- urban teaching degree and was about to start the process of my obtaining my licensure to teach early childhood through third, I mean, to teach pre-K through third grade. By this time, we were grounded and outside in Minnesota, which is different (laughs) for everybody who's listening. Um, I felt like my boys were having a harder time focusing in school in the wintertime, and so I found them a winter sport. Hmm. And they were like, but we're supposed to play basketball, and we're supposed to play football. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because black people don't play hockey. And I'm like, well, then you can be the first black (laughs) hockey player. (laughs) And my son, Jesse, who's a history buff, is like, no, mom, like, black people invented hockey in 1834. (laughs) And I'm like, well, okay, then, play hockey. And they're like, well, hockey's an expensive sport. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'll cut back on some things. Like, I need you too tired Mm -hmm. to give that teacher any Mm -hmm. problems Mm -hmm. in the wintertime. And so I became the hockey mom. 
in the hood and the boys play hockey with new directions um, with Pastor Dale at the St. Olaf Lutheran Church. And so it was hockey in the wintertime. Hockey helped prepare them for football. Hmm. Football could not help them prepare them for hockey. <laughs> um, so it was hockey in the wintertime, and then it was in the garden in the summertime. Hmm. And I remember the summer of 2010 specifically, We um, I didn't know anything about soil testing, but we... We were planting strawberries. So when we started to dig up the garden, we found like rolls of tape and old shoes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I want to grow in this soil. So it was my son's, uh, it was their idea that we could grow in buckets. Hmm. And so we went to get buckets. And then Anthony was like, why don't we just get a big kitty sized swimming pool? Oh, that's smart. And I'm like, okay. And I was thinking about the plastic, but I'm like... It's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's really important when a child has an idea yes. that you follow through yes. with that idea as long as you're not harming anybody. And I'm like, well, what's your plan? He's like, we could poke holes in it and we could fill it with dirt and then we could like grow strawberries. And I'm like, okay, so we get the pools and we've got the, the, the rake pokey thing to put the holes in it. And we've got these bags of manure and we're putting the manure in. He's like, doesn't this look like chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, where is he going with this? And he's like, we should taste it. Oh, no. I told you I'm a (laughs) six-year-old. And so if you haven't eaten a bug or a worm in your life or a mud pie in real life, it's time to do it. And so we taste this manure and we literally feel life like Mm. millions of microorganisms. And we're spitting it out and we're laughing and we plant these strawberries and we plant cucumbers. Um, And then his brother was like, I just want to put like... A, a, a flat piece of cardboard and like wood on the side. And I think we could put dirt in the middle and like grow right on top of there. So there, that was like a baby wow. raised mm-hmm. bed kind of. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so that's the way we grew. And then Anthony turned 16 and he went and got an ID and he called and he asked me, what's a donor? And I said, I don't know a lot. You should ask the people that are there. And he said, well, well, sexy girls in med school, like, look at my dead body. And I'm like, you'll be dead, though. So the sexy girl thing is out of the way. And we never talked about it again. And on July 4th, 2010, which was two weeks after his 16th birthday, and um, I, my, my family was a victim of gun violence that year, 2010. I got a call from LifeSource saying that they had collected Anthony's donations. And I... I, as sad as a mother could be, I can tell this story now with a smile on my face because we tasted manure (laughs) like together two weeks before and he chose to be a donor. So he did something bigger with his life and, and the strawberries that he planted that year. I didn't go back to the garden that year, but the strawberries that he planted that year, they came back the next Mm. year. And so we have those strawberries growing in North Minneapolis and it's been 11 years that Anthony has since he's transitioned. And the beautiful thing about it was when I when he transitioned I didn't go back to the garden. And and I think that was probably the 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 depth of depression that I've the, the greatest depth of depression that I've ever known. As 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 deserved when you're grieving a loss so tremendous. And then there's the sun. Mm-hmm. So again, I go back to laying on my back. And I don't want to look at people. And I, I just, I found solace in the sky. And, and then I found the sun again. And the sun was called the sun. And yeah. I missed my son. 
And so I fell in love with the sun and I started to sun gaze and my eyes became this like fiery brown because I was told if you look in the sky, in the sun, you stare in the sun, you can go blind. But my eyes were able to consume this sunshine and make vitamin D and my attitude got better. And the sun said to me one day, why'd you let your garden die? And I said, I didn't go back to the garden. Wow, look at the time. It's been a whole year. And when I went back to the garden, I promise you, the strawberries were abundant, but the cucumbers had seeded themselves from the year before. So I'm sure they probably got really big. I didn't go back, and they just went into the land. Cucumbers don't come back. And they were vining up the swimming pool stairs because I had the little pool in the back. And that was the creator's way of letting me know that anything was possible in the garden. And um, so I knew I had to get back growing. And then Michelle reached out and was like, hey, how do you feel about this food in North Minneapolis? And I'm like, the food in North Minneapolis? I don't shop in North Minneapolis. I go to the Wedge over south. (laughs) Um, There's not really the food. The food that's here in North Minneapolis isn't what I eat. And so she's like, yeah, that's an access issue. And I'm like, I don't know the words to put behind it. I just know I try to grow my own food. And I, and I cook with my kids, and we bake our cakes from scratch. Mm. And I'm just a different breed. And she, Tasha, and myself all found out that we were different breeds. And when we looked at the foodscape of North Minneapolis and started to have conversation with 400 community members about it, we found that a lot of people felt the same way. Mm. And that was my story and how it led up to birthing Appetite for Change. Talk about growth. I mean, you just define it. Exude it. Thank you. Literally. But you have to be outside for things to grow because you need the sun and you need the water, I think. And the air. And people think it's a metaphor and it's actually real. I mean, it's not. It's not just a metaphor. It's not. And, and the healing happened for me in the land the sun sent me there and I I followed and it's been 11 years and yes I miss my son Um, I probably always will but I have more happy moments than I have sad moments Mm. because we ate the manure we (laughs) threw strawberries you were in the moment we played hockey we Mm -hmm. we stayed outside we splashed in puddles until his feet were like wrinkly like (laughs) like he had had a bath for a long time like you probably lived more of a life with your son in those years than I'm gonna cry than many parents do with their children because we don't take the time you don't you know we don't take those moments we don't lay in the grass and and trace the clouds Mm -hmm. and we don't eat the manure (laughs) we don't you know we don't Mm -hmm. notice we don't we're too busy and we have rules and restrictions and we're we're, we're allowing society to define us. I couldn't be defined by society. And I got a lot of flack from it. My friends were like, oh, under your nails are always dirty. Why don't you get your nails done? And I'm like, nails. They're like, oh, well, you know, your tennis shoes. I like Michael Jordan tennis shoes. I'm from Chicago. I'm a Bulls fan. So I love, I love, I'm a little gym shoe geek. So I love to splurge on an expensive pair. And, and then I wear them in the garden. And my son, Jesse, he gets in the garden barefoot. And there's actually new brain research around putting babies into good soil Hmm. to connect some of those, um, the brain development. Hmm. And so that's what my daughter took her first steps in a cucumber patch. 
it was really hard to get her to put her feet back down <laughs> after, you know, the pokey things on the cucumbers oh, yeah. poked her feet. And I'm like, would you stand up, little girl? You can walk. <laughs> and she just wouldn't do it. Oh. And so now she's 16, but she knows when she's not feeling well, she knows she needs to get outside and she knows she needs to think about what she's eating. So when you set those foundations for freedom in an outdoor space for your children, for your family, for yourself, First and foremost, um, that that revolutionary act that Audre Lorde talks about is self-care. Mm -hmm. I was outside for myself. And then I was bringing my little cousins with me. I was outside for myself. And then I'm like, oh, I got some children. I was outside for myself when I looked at the sun. And the sun, the sun is greeting me now. You're I not was here just going to gonna say, it. look at she's what is happening. It just like, sun it just shining right in into her your, yes. that, That's beautiful. <laughs> and I needed the sun. That's my son like saying, hey, mom, yeah, you got yeah. this. Um, so shortly after I went back to the garden and met with Tasha and Michelle, we knew that the food access was an issue. North Minneapolis has um, 67,000 people living there and one full service grocery store. Um, corner stores are allowed to accept SNAP and EBT benefits, but they don't really sell real food. Um, there were community gardens. There was a, I want, I want to say, and I have to, because there were community members like Project Sweetie Pie and Miss Candace and Miss Regina, um, who were work, who didn't have organizations, but were working to grow food and make sure we had access to food as our elders in the community. Um, but we, we needed, we needed more. We needed more fast because the food, the type of food we had access to was connected to other things. It was connecting to economics. It was connected mm -hmm. to housing. It was connected to um, the violence. So we cooked and ate and talked with 400 community members about the change that they wanted to see. And currently we have, we cooked and ate and talked with 400 community members about the change that they wanted to see. And they decided for us to continue cooking, eating, and talking. Mm -hmm. So using food to have the, the space to create the space, yeah. the dialogue about what social justice issues you want to talk about. Is it the number of SROs in your high school? Is it the changes to the bus line? And so Community Cooks kind of became our flagship program. Now we have Community Cooks Meal Box Program where we are delivering 400 mailboxes every Monday to families. Mm -hmm. um, that's in partnership with Local Crate and Good Acre. We have a meal distribution program because after the uprising, um, the, the grocery store closed. So what yeah. were people going to eat? And there were community organizations like Brothers Empowered, um, Oak Park Neighborhood Services that were giving away meals, but they were running out of food. Mm. So instead of us starting a line at our kitchen because we wanted to keep our cafe, our catering staff safe, we just started to provide the meals to the agencies that are giving the food away. So we've done like 181,000 meals this wow. year for 26 community partners. We have Appetite for Growing, which is our community gardens. We have the one of the second deep winter greenhouses in Minneapolis. We grow 10,000 pounds of produce per per growing season. And, and we're, we're excited about extending the growing season this year. So on 41st and DuPont, we have a deep winter greenhouse. Mm -hmm. And we've got two storage containers, so we'll be processing produce there. Northside Fresh is currently working on the Healthy and Hunger-Free Schools Act. So that's our policy work that we're doing with our young people because we have a youth training and opportunity program. 
And those young people are running the farmer's market. They're helping mm. grow the produce. They're helping do the policy piece. And Breaking Bread Cafe and Catering, which is on West Broadway, 1200 West Broadway, is actually opened up for business again. So real food for real people. If there's any real people who like real food <laughs> listening, stop by. And then we're also in Station 81 in St. Paul. Mm. The beautiful part about healing and being outside, though, I owed it back to the community. And I mean the community. The, when I mean the community, I don't need, mean just the people in North Minneapolis. I mean the real people who like real food, who have common unity with Appetite for Change. Um, when after George Floyd's life was taken, so many people reached out and wanted to volunteer. And we were in the midst of COVID or the pandemic, and we weren't sure how to engage people. And I'm like, I think people want to heal in the land. Mm -hmm. And so um, I got Latasha's permission to engage with some volunteers as long as we didn't have any, you know, we were six feet apart. I'm like, we're outside. We're six feet apart. This is perfect. And so um, in that year, we engaged 50 volunteers in 700 hours of volunteer time, and we shared story about what our names meant and about what George's name meant. Hmm. George Floyd, the name George means the farmer. He represents the hmm. land. Hmm. And so um, we talked about what our names meant, and people hadn't, didn't know what their names meant. Um, we, we got in the soil. We talked about safety. We talked about fear. We talked about trust. But all while we were planting sunflower mm. seeds or, or harvesting or leaving the weeds so that somebody else could come later to forage them, um, bee balm or burdock. Um, and, and it was a beautiful time. So I really believe, again, it came full circle at a time where people wanted to say, like, this saddens me, too. So the whole world was responding outside and in a little space in North Minneapolis, there was solace and there was peace in the garden with the land, mm-hmm. with a girl who was like a 46-year-old, 6-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> who didn't know anything to do but to make sure she was in the dirt. Wow. Incredible story. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We could talk to you all night, but no. I want to respect your time. So Thank you. we are going to do a really quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get the top tip from Princess Haley. We Do This For Fun is supported by 515 Productions, a high-end video production business based in Minneapolis. The website is 515productions.com. And did you know that Jody is also a health and wellness coach? Check out her website at jodygruen.com. If you like this podcast, we'd love your support. Please rate and review us and hit subscribe. Learn more about us at wedothisforfun.com. Welcome back. So, Princess, we have established that you like to just go outside and paint the sky and be a six-year-old in a 40-something body. (laughs) What is your top tip for our listeners who think, eh, sounds like fun. Not sure I have it in me to do something like that. Mm -hmm. I would definitely say if it's anything you're doing inside of your house, think about doing it outside of your house. Hmm. If you're watching TV and somebody's snowshoeing, 
Like, Google it. See if there's snowshoeing <laughs> in your area. If you're watching someone jump rope, like, get a jump rope um, and go and do it. Don't, it doesn't have to be something that costs you money. But if you're watching somebody else do it yeah, on TV, we spend really more yes. time yes. watching cooking shows than we actually do <laughs> yes. spend cooking. That's a really so good point. If you <laughs> see somebody doing it, try it yourself. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Well, I just have to ask you about the kids who watch video games on you. Like they just watch. They don't play the video games anymore. They watch people playing video games on YouTube. Like, I mean, what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> My, I, I think it's, I think it's, and and it's in their foundations now. So like a lot of kids aren't they're they're they grow up and they get tablets and so you get to look into somebody else's world. My grandson likes to watch other children play with toys. Yeah, and so. You can do that for 30 minutes, and then can you go try it yourself for yeah, 30 yeah, minutes? Yeah, oh, that's a good if suggestion. It's just, like, and be compassionate with yourself. Like, Don't feel bad about what you're doing or what you're not doing. And then think back to when you were a child, those things that maybe you liked to do, and maybe friends didn't play nice. Like, They yeah. never let me turn double dutch. So mm. I have the best double dutch ropes, <laughs> just in case anybody ever wants to play I'll and they play might. With you. I'm right. not any good. I'll probably trip and fall. But um, well, I would try. Right. We're I'll, removing I'll, that I'll from the universe. The <laughs> I'll stand in one place and twirl the rope. You got to twirl. I didn't get to twirl. So like I bought ropes so that I could twirl and I could show my daughter how to twirl and we could get to turn the rope and maybe jump. Um, so if there's anything that you didn't get a chance to do or that you really loved, I loved hula hoop. Not as good at it now. And I got some really good hula hoops that, that actually work well, but I'm just not so talented in it anymore. Yeah. So think back to those things you were allowed to do or that you weren't allowed to do when you were a child and try them. I remember seeing, um, and, and not just things that, um, think about the sound that the things are going to make. Mm -hmm. Think about the vibration that's going to come from the sound. Think about how's it going to feel when you do it. Think about... Um, what you're gonna, how your breathing is gonna change me. Like, it's really a way to excite all of your senses. One of my favorite things to do is just to like have some beans in a container and just shake it. Huh. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like, that's simple. And, and children will like that outside. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You could spend your money buying loud toys or when people buy gifts for children. I've heard at a few parties, like, yeah, I got some really loud toys <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. for your children to have in your house yes, to get yes. on your nerves. Take them outside. As always, we welcome your questions and feedback. Email us at wedothisforfunpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be dedicating future episodes to answering your questions, so let her rip, whether it's about gear purchases or tampons and IBS in the wilderness. We don't judge. Been there, done that. Nothing is off the table. And thanks for listening.